Hey guys, uh, Pastor Daniel here with the very first episode of our Supercharged podcast. Um, we are uh, going to attempt to encapsulate a lot of the skill and competency work of Supercharged into these podcasts uh, that we're going to put out probably monthly for you guys and then obviously keep an archive of them so that if you're listening to these you know, years from now, you have an opportunity to kind of go back and start at the beginning and catch up on these things. A Supercharged uh, is our ministry program at Resurrection Church for mentorship, for discipleship, uh, some of that in the mentor-mentee roles, uh, some of that in the peer discipleship role, but really it's our mechanism to do discipleship at a, I would say, an elevated level. Um, we in our church, primarily do discipleship through our community groups and through our Sunday morning preaching, teaching. Uh, but we recognize there's a gap there, uh, a need for uh, more than we could potentially do in those arenas, you know, via those methodologies, particularly when it comes to training up leaders. Uh, how do we care and disciple, care for and disciple group leaders and team leaders and things like that? When they're already in a group. And so Supercharged has uh, been what we have put together and launched for that stated purpose. It has uh, some different elements to it. And this is one of them. Uh, the podcasts we're going to be doing here monthly are one of them. Uh, we're, we're really wanting to work on leadership skills, so competencies, things that you can work on. We're going to start in episode one with getting a little bit of a definition around leadership so that we're all on the same page so that whenever in the in the context here of supercharged in the context of talking about discipleship we say the word leadership we don't have uh, some misconstruing that's going on and, and any ambiguity and so let's talk about leadership briefly uh, if we were to uh, open up um John Maxwell's famous book, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, and begin to, to read through those, one of the things that we would see right off the bat is uh, that leadership is influence. Leadership is influence. It's not a position. It's not a title. It's not uh, management. It's not all these different things. Leadership is influence, nothing less, nothing more. And so uh, if we you, you, you begin to kind of read into this, uh, what defines a leader is that they are leading or impacting other people. And so the, the famous phrase is, uh, that's kind of humorous, is that if you think you're leading and as you're going somewhere and you look behind you and no one's following you, you're not leading, you're taking a walk because leadership is influencing people. Now, I would hope we could maybe add to that positively <laughs> influencing people, but leaders don't always positively influence people. Sometimes they negatively do. Um, but 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 I want to strain into that definition because it will put into context why someone who's just given a managerial position, whether in a nonprofit or a church or, or a secular position, uh, may not necessarily be a leader. In fact, they may be a terrible leader, not a leader at all, and yet they're put into a position where they have authority and power, but that doesn't mean that they actually have influence. Influence is that when uh, E.F. Hutton would say, you know, it, it, when that person speaks, I listen. Uh, it, 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 when, when a leader speaks, people are listening to, for what they're saying. And uh, it's really important for us to wrap our heads around the idea that 
leadership is influence, not not positional, uh, not um, about even necessarily specific giftings. I, I do think that they are there are giftings. We're very gifted leaders. They're born that way. I also think that there are skills that we work on. And uh, I, I, I reason I think this is, this matters so much in the context of supercharged and discipleship is that if if you understand that leadership is influence, then you understand that every disciple maker, which is what we're called to be, disciple makers, uh, is being told, being commanded by Jesus in the Bible and the Great Commission to be a leader of some sort, maybe maybe in a very small level. Maybe you're leading your household. Maybe you're leading a, a small group of people. But, but since we lead people to Christ, since we go out and share the gospel and we want to influence them with the gospel, we want to influence them with the, the power of the gospel, with the gospel culture, with gospel um, actions, with the, the words and the explanation of the gospel, that same influence is what we're defining leadership as. So we're all called to be leaders. Um, it, it's why the, the various uh, phrases in the New Testament that talk about us being part of the royal priesthood, uh, the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, uh, integral parts of the body. I mean, all of these different illustrations in the New Testament really point back to the influence that you and I are being called to have on a, on a dark world that doesn't know Jesus. And since we're called to be disciple makers, we're called to be leaders. Now, Again, why am I why am I hammering on this? Because I have a lot of people that I talk to that say I'm not a leader. That's you know that's so and so. I'm not a leader. I'm I'm a follower, or I'm quiet, or I'm not a people person, or I'm not gifted that way. Like lots of excuses. And my point is, you cannot be a Christian who believes that the Bible is true and that it's the Word of God and that what's said in it is true, and then get away with calling yourself not a leader because the Bible says you're to lead. Uh, whether that's leading people to Christ, whether that's leading people in discipleship, whether that's leading them in growth, like you, you have to influence people. What does uh, a light in a dark world do? It 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 influences, it changes the, the environment by being a light. What does salt do to the earth? You know, what does salt do to the earth? It changes, it influences, changes the flavor. Uh, you, you know, to be salt that has no taste, the Bible says is worthless. So we can't be people, disciples, disciple makers who have zero influence. To, to do that is to miss the understanding of how we're supposed to impact a really dark world because we're not supposed to withdraw from that world. We're supposed to be in it, but not of it. We're supposed to uh, impact it with the grace and love of God. And so everyone of you that's listening to this, I'm just going to reiterate to you that you have been called into leadership of some sort. Now, that may not be formal leadership of a formal ministry, but you're called into it. And so that means that everything we talk about in uh, leadership development and leadership competencies, everything we talk about have some uh, potential impact or benefit on your life, no matter how you view yourself as a leader or not. Now, I would go so far as to say that if you could get into this perspective shift that you've been called to be a leader because of what uh, Jesus has called us to do with the Great Commission, it would actually benefit us substantially because it changed the way we look at the impact of our own life and, and our own actions, our own words, the, the way we pursue Christ. If we view ourselves as a leader, that actually is very helpful. I, I know that in, in the course of my life as I've moved into leadership positions, formal leadership positions, whether it's in in um, the business world, or it's been in at my at my gym when I became a coach, or when I became a small group leader or a Sunday school teacher. E anytime that I was given some authority, 
and, and I realized like I'm formally being asked to influence people, I felt the weight of that. And that's a good thing, right? Realizing that uh, there's now a heightened sense to my influence where it matters even more and I have to be even more on guard for my heart and my affection for Jesus, uh, for the way I model Christ-like behavior, like that weight is really good. It's, it's positive. Okay, so the first thing, I just we've nailed this. I've repeated it a bunch of times. Leadership is influence, nothing less, nothing more. Uh, it's not positional. It's not by title. Everyone's called to it because we're all called to make an impact for the gospel, to lead people, whether it's to Christ or in growth. Uh, spiritual growth in Christ, uh, as we disciple, what, peer discipleship, uh, mentorship, those types of things. You're a leader. So you're listening to this, you're 14 years old, but you've given your life over to Jesus. You're a leader. You're you're 90 years old. You don't even know how many more years or days that you have left. You're a leader. Uh, if you've given your life to Jesus, you've been commissioned into the Great Commission, you're a leader. Now, here's a couple things now that we've d- defined that you're a leader so that what I'm about to say applies to you. A couple things. Number one, you have to lead from the front. I don't care what you're leading. You have to lead from the front. Uh, leading from the front means when you're leading, you're looking at people and saying, come with me. Versus when you're who are leading from the back or from a chair somewhere or from an upper office or a corner room, you're saying, go do that instead of come with me. And, and, and we all know we love people to say, come with me and rally the troops with them rather than say, can I send you out to, to solve that problem? Now, there are going to be certain uh, exceptions to that. There going to be times where just from an efficiency sake in an organization, you know, you're split up in different groups and different people are going different places and you're delegating out authority and tasks and stuff. That's not what I mean. I have to mean, I mean, you have to be willing and ready to say, come with me because we're leading from the front. This particularly matters when we talk about modeling behavior. The, the, the number one mechanism in the Bible for discipling other people. Now, we're certainly using the Bible. We're certainly teaching them the things that Jesus said. Uh, we're doing all, of course we're doing those things, but man, again and again and again, what you can hear the apostle Paul and the other apostles say in the New Testament is, model me, imitate me, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So so they're saying like, not, not just uh, listen to the words I'm telling you or listen to the Bible that I'm reading to you, but watch my life to understand what this looks like. Now, I just want you to think about how heavy of a statement that is. Not just listen to what I say. Watch my life. Now, here's, whether you believe this or not, or whether, whether you've thought about this or not, everyone's watching your life. There are people watching your life all the time, right? Uh, we, we, in fact, I, the, the wonderful thing about having kids, I say wonderful, the convicting thing about having kids is that they're watching you. Mm. <laughs> They're watching you way more than you want them to be watching you. I mean, you, sometimes you want to break from being watched because it's not about what you tell them is right or wrong. It's about what you, in your actions, the way you model are right or wrong. You could tell them that, you know, breaking the law is bad, but then when that you're speeding and they're pointing it out, right, what are they looking at? They're looking at how you've modeled this this um, value uh, or this moral of uh, obeying the law. And so we hate that. <laughs> Why? Because it's a lot easier to tell people what to do, tell people what's important, tell people about the gospel, tell people to love their enemies. All those things are much easier to, to say than they are to do. But the primary mechanism mechanism of discipleship is modeling in the Bible, and the primary mechanism of leadership is being able to model the things that you as a leader say are important. So you're leading from the front. You're saying, listen, if, if I put a high value in our organization on mercy— 
then I better be demonstrating mercy as often as possible, showing people what that looks like. It has to be important and passionate to me personally. It has to be a conviction of mine personally if if I'm ever going to have an expectation that other people do it. In fact, let me let me take that even a step further um, for preaching in, in, in the pulpit. Uh, Tim Keller has just a great statement in his book called Preaching where he says you should never expect anyone in the congregation to experience from your sermon what you personally have not experienced in the preparation. So so if the preparation of that, if, if, if the reading and, 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 and dwelling on the scripture that you're going to preach hasn't convicted you, why would anyone else be convicted? Um, not that they couldn't be, but you shouldn't have that expectation. Like if you're not taking it seriously, why would other people take it seriously? Uh, that, it just goes back to this idea that we, we lead from the front. We're modeling the behavior. We're modeling the values. We're modeling the principles. We're modeling the things we say are important. Uh, to other people. Now, uh, John Maxwell has another uh, law in his 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership called the Law of the Lid. And the idea behind the Law of the Lid is that no organization will ever rise above the capability and level of its top leaders. So if we were to rate leaders, you know, from one being the worst to 10 being the best, and your organization had a seven, as the top leader, your, your organization's never going to rise upon, above a seven. Because that's the lid. The lid is always about the leader. If you, you want it to exceed that, you're going to have to change leaders or the leader's going to have to grow. Uh, and that matters even at a micro scale. It matters when you're leading your family. Your, your family's not going to exceed your leadership ability um, while they're under your leadership. So if you're a four as a leader, like a really bad leader in your household, you shouldn't have any expectation that that the, the kids and the family or anybody else, you know, whomever you're leading is going to exceed that. Now, they might, when they get out from under your leadership, then potentially if they have capability, they might, but not under you. Uh, and that matters a lot for us in the church, right? Because what it's saying is in each of our areas, our community groups, if you're leading there, a team, if you're leading there, uh, the church, in the elder room, uh, from the pulpit, from the executive pastoral office, uh, everyone that I lead is not going to be able to exceed my leadership ability. Therefore, I have to grow or I've got to be replaced because I become the bottleneck to hold people back. Why am I making a point of that? Because leadership is influence and modeling. And so uh, modeling is so important that if, you know, what I'm living out in my life is of low, lower quality, I shouldn't expect that that won't have an impact. In fact, I should actually expect that will become the bottleneck over time. Now, that's not... I'm not telling you that for you to be really down on yourself and think, well, man, I better I better never find myself in a leadership position. You know, I don't want to be the bottleneck. No, it's the challenge of this pursuit of Christ to grow in Christ and be transformed into Christ's likeness and have the Spirit fill us and change us and and, and rub off those those rough edges and and continue to transform us and grow us so that we can continue to grow in our discipleship, in our pursuit of Christ, and ultimately as leaders of various groups and organizations. Um, so the law of the lid says your leadership matters. No matter wherever you find yourself leading, it matters because your capability will become the ceiling for that group, that organization, that team, what have you. Um, that's good and bad, right? That uh, I think there's some great things about that. There's some, there, there should be a, a, a kind of a weighty, uh, uh, I don't know, burden's not the right word, but like a, a, a reverence, you know? We talk about fear of God, having this reverence of God, understanding how great he is. There should be a little bit of a fear of 
leadership of going, okay, I'm a, I'm a little bit afraid of that because, you know, I, I don't want to impact people negatively if I mess up or I don't, I don't want to become the bottleneck. And that fear is a good thing. I don't want you to take that fear. Though. I don't want you to hear that and think I've got to shy away from leadership because there's weight to it, because there's reverence to it, because there's there's good things to it. I mean, of course, there there's weight to it. Of course, there's reverence, right? It, it's impacting other people. But it, it should fire us up and help motivate us to continue to cling to Jesus in desperation because Jesus doesn't put the um, – this doesn't put the explanation of how we're going to grow and become more Christ-like and achieve all of these things for the kingdom on our, on our own capabilities, on our own abilities, on our own talents. Um, he tells us the key there is this desperation to him. And if we will submit to his leadership and submit to the work of the Holy Spirit, that we'll grow. And, and that's the goal. We, we want to grow. We want to grow in our influence of others and our capability as leaders. And as Christians, we do that with this wonderful formula of realizing that we already aren't capable of, of getting it right. And we desperately need Jesus. We desperately need the work of the spirit in our lives in order to do it. So that's actually a really positive thing that, that a little bit of weight, a little bit of seriousness uh, around being a leader is important for us. It's important to help keep us motivated to cling to Jesus because there's things riding on this more than just ourselves. Uh, that's great. Now I want to give you a couple questions just to consider as you're thinking about leadership as influence and um, our call to influence a dark and broken world and people around us and how to be a disciple maker, you have to be an influencer, which means you need to be a leader. Um, if this is primarily about modeling the behavior, so so I, I, I yes, I need to be able to articulate um, the gospel, or articulate what I need as a leader, articulate the values of the organization, articulate, I think, yes, you need to speak those, but you gotta, gotta be living those out. So it's the challenge now to be introspective, right? To look inwardly and take a spiritual inventory or a life inventory of how well am I modeling the things that I say are important. And now you can have other people help you with this. You can have a spouse help you. You can have a close friend. Um, you can take people that have enough access in your life to know whether or not you're faking things or not, right? So you can't just take up any old guy and like, I'm going to walk over and have pastor do it, but pastor sees me, you know, <laughs> once a week for 60 minutes. Uh, it, it's got to be someone that has access to your life and, and knows you. They can do this inventory with you. Really, here's what I'm looking at. Do my values, my stated values, the things that I say are important about my life or about my organization or about uh, where I lead, do, do the things that I say are important, my stated values match my real life prioritization of my resources. I'm going to say that again. Do, do my stated values, the things that I say are the most important, match the prioritization of my resources? What are your resources? Your money, your time, your attention, and your passion, right? So your time, where do I spend my time? Uh, I, pull out a pen and, and paper. Where do you spend your time, right? So, so if I if I wrote my stated values, the things I say are really important. I put God and I put um, the church and I put my ministry. I put my, my spouse, my kids, you know, whatever. I put them all in. I even I even rank them right in in order. I get them in the right healthy uh, hierarchy of order. And then I look at okay, well, where do I spend my time? Where where do I spend my money? Where do where do, what gets my attention? What do I spend a lot of mental attention on? Where's my passion, my affection? What really fires me up? What do I get really emotional about? Look at those four things. And here's the thing. They need to match. 
they, they, they need to match, like in order, like, do I spend, do, you know, if God's the most important thing in my life, how do I honor him with my time? How do I honor him with my money? How do I honor him with my attention? How do I honor him with my passion and affection? Like that, that better be right up there, right? And if not, and I have other people look at this, if not, then then I am not actually living out the thing that I say is important. And, and I've got to disconnect. I got to work on that, right? Because I cannot lead as effectively as I, I need to be able to leave to lead. Uh, according to the Great Commission, according to in any organization you're in, you're not going to lead the way you want to lead if your values, the things you say are important, don't match the way you're living, the way you're leading, the way you're behaving. They have to match. It's a big deal. All right. That's your big question to work on, your ex, your, your inventory, this, this life inventory. Uh, you can do some of that yourself. You can do that friend, spouse, family member, what have you. Uh, pull them in and, and, and spend a little bit of time really wrestling over – do they match? And if they don't, and and hint, they're, something's not going to match, right? If you come through with flying colors and everything matches perfectly, you might need to be a little bit harder on yourself. Um, you're going to find some stuff, right? You're going to find some stuff that doesn't match the your stated values. And when you find that, it's okay because it, it's going to exist. It, the real question is, what am I going to do about that, right? How do I how do I start to build a kind of a plan? to change that so that I can be authentic, I can be genuine, I can, I can really be living out in my life the things that I say are, are the most important in the order that they're important. I think that's a big deal. Guys, thanks for giving me about 20 minutes of your time here in episode one. Uh, we're going to continue to publish episodes on leadership and leadership development. Uh, excited to do that, excited to get a few minutes of your time today. Thank you so much and Lord bless.